Welcome to Route 31 Credit Union's business podcast, The Extra Mile. My name is Nick Green. I am the host. Today, I'm joined by Brett Gilbert from Fatty Lumpkin's Sandwich Shop. My biased opinion, one of the best sandwiches I've ever had, especially on the West Coast of Michigan, maybe, possibly even in the United States. Brett, yeah. I'm not just saying that. Yeah. Thank you. They're amazing. Uh, introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about what you do at Fatty Lumpkin's. So, my name's Brett Gilbert. I'm one half of Fatty Lumpkins with my wife, Jera. Um, so we're both locals, born and raised in Muskegon, attended Mona Shores and Muskegon community, and then ventured off to finish our degrees in hospitality. And we are kind of lifers in the restaurant business. So okay. it's something that we've always done. Nice. Where did you get your uh, hospitality degrees? Mine is from Florida Atlantic University, which is down in Boca Raton. Okay. And then hers is Grand Valley. Nice. Go Lakers. Yeah. I went to Grand Valley as well. I thought so. I lived in Florida for Naples, or Naples, Florida for a while. Me so. too. Really? Yep. Nice. Yeah. It's a short minute. But Naples yeah. uh, is beautiful. It's very expensive. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so how long has Fatty Lumpkin's been an establishment here in Muskegon? Well, we became a business in 2010. Um, we did a little bit of like catering, and then we opened our doors officially in 2011. So we're a little over 12 years now. It's been a quick, I was just commenting today, I started in my 20s and I'm already in my 40s, so yeah. it's amazing how things have changed in that 12-year time, mostly for the better, so. That's great. Yeah, time flies. I know, right? Especially when you're absorbed in work and passion. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, when we started, it was all family. Now we have a family of our own, and, you know, when we started, we were just kids in our 20s and with the dream. With the dream. <laughs> the American dream of being right. a small business owner. That's awesome. So what is that? Uh, is that kind of what inspired you? Is uh, you were just kind of in the restaurant business? Where did the whole? I mean, Fatty Lumpkins. That's pretty catchy. It's pretty unique. Is that? It's not franchised, obviously, or is it? Uh, so where did it come from? So we we have, like I said, we always worked in restaurants, and so I think that was maybe not the initial drive, but you know, when you do something for long enough and you feel like you have a good understanding of it, I think eventually a lot of people start going. Should I be doing this for someone else or should I be doing it for myself? You know, and, and I think, you know, once you progress to all the different levels, which we were both kind of fortunate enough to do as far as, you know, mm -hmm. starting at the lower level jobs and then getting into management and stuff, you know, it gives you kind of a good, well-rounded perspective too. And I know for me, and I think Jared would probably say the same thing, say the same thing. Um, it was like the opposite of what I ever thought I would do because it was my first job and I hated it the first night and I wanted to quit, but it was a job my dad kind of helped me get from someone he knew. So he was like, you are not quitting. Right. You got to <laughs> give this a chance for a little bit and not going to make me look bad. And yeah, so exactly. I, it happened to be a Friday night at a pizza place too. So it was busy. I kind of, you know, got thrown into the fire, but yeah. as a 16 year old kid, I was just like, this is too much and too dirty and too hot and just, yep. All of those things, and you know, it kind of drove me to take out or uh, seek out different roles in the business. But um, I think just as an aside from that too, um, working younger, even prior to that, my parents were both really good at it, about like giving me opportunities to make money, or if I had something I really wanted, like a new bike or something like that, they would you know, sometimes do like a matching deal or yeah. have me cut the grass or just any of those kind of things. So a few times of doing that, and then I was like Mr. Lawnmower. And I was, you know, I was getting other clients. And so I think it's always sort of been in me in that sense. I had a good friend growing up, and it just seemed like we were always kind of like 
doing little hustling things. I feel like he sort of maybe planted that bug in me a little bit. And now it's funny because now it's sort of reversed and he's like, man, you're the business guy. <laughs> I feel like he's got a lot of potential too. So it, a lot of different angles that that sort of came from and never just this, I want to own my own business thing. I just want to be a lawyer. So <laughs> Okay. So went from lawyer uh, to sandwich shop. That's uh, that's big transition. It's yeah, it's a leap. But business owner. Yeah. Um, so the entrepreneurial spirit was kind of planted by a buddy and uh, your parents giving you the, the money ethic. and Yeah. They always wanted to, I think, do something like they used to say then and more so now that they were afraid to take the risk and take the leap. And that's one of the things like they'll say to Jara and I is like, really proud of you for doing that. And that's something they would always say to me like that, that takes something, you know. And I think like for my dad, especially because his dad was an entrepreneur, um, he kind of saw himself in that role and then his life just didn't work out that way. So I think it was really cool for for him to see me kind of pick up the torch and run with it because I think it just sort of runs in our family. That's great. So speaking, keep keep on speaking with the entrepreneurial spirit. Would you, if you had to go back and talk to Brett and Jarrah 10 years ago, uh, any advice for aspiring entrepreneurs now? Or what would you say to those that young couple with the, big shiny eyes ready well, to make the best sandwiches i kind of have a standard line for this actually <laughs> um and and i think it's good for everyone to hear because it's scary to go in business right yeah so you sort of get this mindset almost like i don't know most people i'm a bit of a pessimist a little bit of like a realist and yeah um you know sort of cynical so <laughs> um I think my approach to a lot of things is sort of like plan for the worst, hope for the best, right? And I think that's probably normal when you're starting a lot of businesses, especially a restaurant, you know, they say, I don't know what the percentage is, but over half of them fail. So, you know, that was kind of my mindset and we sort of did things really shoestring and non-traditional, I'll just say, um, and didn't have much money to put behind it. So, um, it just seemed like, how do I want to say this? We we didn't really okay. So my standard line is, you also have to plan for the best too, and I, that's yeah. kind of what happened to us. And we weren't really ready for it. So I think, you know, once we started making some income, because please believe we were throwing every dollar we had at it for several years, yeah. you know, living paycheck to paycheck, and kind of just like this week we're gonna buy a cooler, and next week we're gonna yeah. get some tables, and you know, you throw a hundred bucks aside or whatever, and so. It just kind of took off. So then, you know, for the first time in several years, we had some money. It didn't necessarily have time, but I, I think, like, for example, taxes. Like, I should have sort of focused more on my books and kind of, like, the structure piece of it. And instead, I focused on more, like, business growth and things like that. And, and you know, I went to school for business, so it's it certainly wasn't... Uh, I knew I needed to, you know, have solid books and all those things. And, and right. I kind of like foundational. got excited, like, you know, went and bought some new stuff for fatties and all that. And I should have really, you know, focused on, okay, now we've spent these long hours working crazy days. Now it's time to do the sort of not so fun and less glamorous, not sexy stuff of like yeah. spreadsheets and sitting down with an accountant or a bankers and things like that so yeah um that whole idea of planning for the worst and hoping for the best i think is a good mindset but you also have to be prepared for things to really take off because that can kind of mess with you too because then you can get a big head or you, you like yeah. we did we kind of went in the wrong direction and so there's just there's a lot of things that i've i watch now and see businesses and i think i watch them almost go through the same steps of like they get that first initial push i think especially in food and beverage places 
are really popular when they first open. I think Muskegon yep. even almost more than other places really shows that love out first. So, you know, you yeah. go in and you get this, these inflated numbers and these things, but right. you're not maybe necessarily thinking like it might not always be this way. You know, everybody is just finding out about us. But one of the weird things about that with us too is like we have this weird location in a neighborhood and everyone said it would fail and people are like, what are you doing? You're nuts. Why would you ever put a restaurant there? And we had our reasons. We had a lot of reasons, but um, it it really allowed us to kind of take it slow. Yeah. And I think um, I've opened a few restaurants for other people and it was it was like what I just talked about, very like immediately just nuts. And then it kind of tapered off or whatever. But with us, we kind of, based on some of these experiences, like we didn't tell anyone. And since we're not on a main street, nobody knew what we were doing. Yeah. It was basically like a building with black on the windows. You know, if you saw me outside painting or something, you might be able to come chat with me. Certainly I would do that and tell me, yeah, we're doing this. But we very intentionally kind of flew under the radar because we didn't have like the funds to staff up when we open and the things that right. like the bigger restaurants do so we we still worked a night job we both bartended at nights which is part of the reason we're only open till three so like we just thought you know let's take this slow we've been in this business for i don't know i'm at 10 years at that point or whatever locally and like i worked for all the big festivals in town so we had a good network of people both of our families are pretty plugged into the community so we had a, a good base of people that were going to come in and try our restaurant. You know what I mean? And then it was just our job to deliver all them good food, good service, you know, all those important things. But it, it, it let us, you know, kind of stagger our, our opening. And then it also, like even to this day, we're still getting Muskegon people that are like, oh, I didn't know you were here. And some yeah. people might like not think that's a great thing, but we kind of do. I don't know. It's just, yeah, no. it keeps us fresh in a way. And there, there's always like new people that are like, oh, did you try this place I just went to? And you yeah. kind of get the same, like, oh, you guys are off the beaten path, or how long have you been here? Oh, 12 years. 12 years? Where the hell have I been? <laughs> you know? Yep. So it's yep. cool. Yeah. It's a weird, very atypical experience, I feel like, in opening a restaurant. No, it was, uh, that's definitely not the uh, common path to take, but, you know, that's not always, the common path isn't always the path of least resistance either. Um, you know, having your foundational things and things like that, it's like, you almost plan to skip over that growth, growing pains, because you have like your startup, then your growing pains, and then you're like in this growth period, and then you have whitewater, and then some businesses will <laughs> fail because they don't know how to get out of the whitewater. Like, that. yeah, you you like you plan for the whitewater, and then you're like, oh, this is actually working, so yeah. we're okay, and we're kind of in this continuous growth, and then being kind of off the beaten path incognito, and um, yeah, we just moved to the area, and uh, I was. I was craving a sandwich and one of our board members just happened to be in the office and he's like, you should try Fatty Lumpkins. I'm like, what is Fatty Lumpkins? He's like, <laughs> do you like sandwiches? I was like, I love sandwiches. I, 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 he's like, Fatty Lumpkins. It's Monday. So I'm like, well, I can't go there because they closed. <laughs> right. So he's like, go tomorrow. So <clears throat> first time I came in. Yeah. Awesome. Amazing sandwich. Glad he sent uh, there. He's great. Help us. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Eric, Eric, yeah. for sure. Um, great guy. Makes great sandwich recommendations as well. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I I love it. I love hearing like the underdog with the mighty heart. You know, yeah, it's a good story. Not, not even hear that the underdog, but just like you took the non traditional path and like you know we didn't have a lot of money and um, you know Founders Brewing actually has kind of a similar story too, where they were just 
they were just like, let's just do it. Like, I don't know what I'm doing or, you know, like, I don't know how things are going to go, but like, I just love beer and I'm sick of working for somebody else. <laughs> and it just kind of exploded, you know, and it, it's, it's a similar, similar kind of path. The so. first thing we did ever, which kind of touches on that is I just, I was on Craigslist. I think it was Craigslist times, you know, cause it was like, oh, seven. Yeah. And, uh. I bought a lousy old uh, prep station, and it ended up not even working um, properly. It didn't hold temp, but I, I, and I bought it in the winter, so it was in a garage. So we had it plugged in. So of course it was to temp. One was cold. One of the things I learned about buying used equipment in this process, because when we went to open, then we're like, oh my god, our main piece of equipment doesn't work. Yeah. Um, but I, I did kind of, I was like, I'm just gonna buy this, and it's three hundred bucks, and if I lose it, whatever. It hopefully it nudges me and it did i mean not you know it probably sat there for a year in a garage and then really never got used but yeah it was one of those things same with our building same like there was just all these things we get we just kind of had right place right time you know it was the recession so real estate was cheap right um we got our building for next to nothing and needed kind of everything yeah but we could sort of nickel and dime that too and fix it up a little bit on our own except for the big stuff and then um you know, I feel like just being like a husband and wife and in that time, you know, people weren't showing the love for Michigan like I feel like they are today. Yeah. So I just felt like we had a good like background of like being a husband and what we weren't married back then, but um, right. a husband and wife team that's, you know, moved back home to their place and, you know, went to school and want to come back and have an impact. And we lucked out. I mean, we kind of just hit that perfect little timing where that that maybe mattered a little bit more. Not that it doesn't matter to this very day, but right. um. I think it really helped us and sort of propped us up. And that was, you know, before downtown was what it, what it is now. And so now people are like, you were one of the original, the OGs, the pioneers. And it's, it's funny to hear that, but it's, it's true. And because I worked for Summer Celebration and, and Rebel Road and Bike Time, I lived downtown for from 05 until we opened. So yeah. even a little after. So that just put me in a way better position to meet people I would have never met. You know what I mean? That weren't necessarily networked through my family or friends, you know, because through that job, I had the chief of police, the mayor, the head of the fire department, DPW, everyone from the county. It was just somebody that I needed to work with yeah. for various reasons. And then you had other people, whatever, because they were on our board or they wanted tickets or, you know what I mean? So that really was a huge help too for us. Just, I always tell people, you know, we exist because of like this crazy volunteer spirit that Muskegon has yeah. because without it that is. event and that networking, I don't think we would have had the success that we had here. And then it's, it's cool now because now we do them with our food trailer. So it's kind of come full circle, but yeah. to be able to, you know, work alongside all those people that give their time. And I also supervise people that were on like work release from the jail. And then we had a crew of paid, like mostly young people, um, so just a cool experience in that, you know, supervising these three different groups of people and then meeting everyone and just kind of becoming, having one of those jobs that's very like downtown, you know, and yeah. be, when we got our building, we were, you know, when people would say, why would you buy here other than the price? And right. it fit what we needed. I fear, you know, it's right off Southern and Seaway drive. It's a block or two or whatever from downtown. So anyone that's working downtown, yeah. As soon as they find it, it's going to be a work, a lunch option for them at work oh, if they have a quick lunch. Yep. And then, you know, there's the catering side and all this other stuff. I mean, I kind of budgeted it out for like, okay, what happens if we fail and we need to, like, what do we do with this building we got and stuff? So 
I think it's good for business people to have a contingency plan when they're looking at things, you know, that, that whole plan for the worst part, you know, because stuff doesn't always go the way you want. Yeah, it def- definitely doesn't. <laughs> we like to paint beautiful strokes on our canvases, but sometimes those strokes run. <laughs> um, let's talk about just Fatty Lumpkins, like where the name, uh, the building color choices, what kind of inspired all that? And then you guys say you moved back. So where were you? Did like the Fatty Lumpkins whole thing start before? So n- not really. Kind of, I mean, in a sense, like the inspiration okay. for it, I guess. Gotcha. So Jara's the one that like had the idea of the deli. Her and I both tended to like, tended to bartend yeah. um, or serve, you know, front of the house jobs, front of the house management. I had done a little bit of time in kitchens, but nothing to really know kitchens like a good line cook knows a kitchen or a chef. Yeah. Um, and her probably even less experience and she's our food expert and guru so that's like been really impressive let me just say that too yeah taking that role by the reins yeah she's, she's not chef around, trained she's kitchen like she's yeah her back there. And she and she, like it's good i mean not just because it's my wife and stuff like that but no, it's she's... good and and so yeah we just we always had those kind of jobs and it just i don't know it made for us to be out in the front with people but also like then we had to come together and and sort of say, okay, what are you going to do? What am I going to do? So we had to divide mm-hmm. and conquer. Um, but with the name, we couldn't really come to an agreement. It was sort of weird. Like we had, you know, we knew we wanted a deli and I forgot to say this. You know, I thought probably someday I would have like a bar. Mm-hmm. And she kind of said to me real early on, I don't want to sell alcohol. Yeah. First, you know, some of the reasons that you would think just like, the stress of people drinking and driving right, right. with all that. So I was kind of like, really? Dang, you know? And then I thought about it more and I'm like, I, I, I think I like that. You know, eventually I want to have a family. I don't want to be working until two in the morning, which at the time that's what I did. And it just was life. So right. I wasn't really thinking ahead. And so that was really good for her to say that. And, um, so that just sort of became, I don't even know how to frame It's like we both had it in the back of our mind, but we never talked about it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And we I always was the type of guy to look at, like, real estate opportunities and stuff like that. So that building was part of it. But mm-hmm. um, she and I, when we lived in Fort Lauderdale, there was this little neighborhood place like ours minus the seating. So when we would go in there, and it was always nuts, crazy, you know, and you kind of had to, like, jam in and... Sounds familiar. There was always a line, <laughs> and it was m- like a lunch place, and hit off a main street, which in Florida seems like it's like a death knell because there's so many, so much competition down yeah. there. Like you really got to spend on getting your name out there. You could be the best place in the world, and people don't find you. Yeah. You know, there's Saturated. so much down there. So we found out about it from some locals, and I found it was a best of place, and it sucks because it's not still there, but um. So you'd go in there, and there'd be this guy on my shirt, mm-hmm. um, and he had tattoos. And he, he, if you ever seen the Soup Nazi on Seinfeld, I, yeah. I explain it like he was that guy, only he was like jovial and fun, and he swore at you. He wasn't like mean, <laughs> but it was the same deal. Like get to the front of the line, and you better know what you want because we don't got time to mess yeah. around here. We're busy, and so their sandwiches like the number one, the number two, like that, right? Yeah. And so me and Jared would always we'd go in, we'd each get a large. They had like different size bags of chips, so we'd usually get a big bag of chips or two. They did deli salads, so we'd oftentimes get, you know, a pound of pasta or a pound of this or that. And I think in this dude's mind, he thought we ate all that at once. And I'm I'm 140 <laughs> pounds, 
Jera's a tiny person too, so like you see these two scrawny little people, and I, you know, he's a big guy, so he just likes to bust our chops about it. I think so. He nicknamed Jera Sandwich the Fatty Lumpkin, which is apparently Tom Bombadil's horse in the book Lord of the Rings, not the movie though. Okay. But we had no idea. So like six months after opening, someone's like, "So you guys are Lord of the Rings fans, eh?" And we're like, "No, what do you mean?" <laughs> so now that's funny because that gets brought up all the time, and we actually attract Lord of the Rings fans. Because of that name, so totally unintended consequence that's really cool, and now we can laugh about it. That's hilarious. But the sad part about the place in Florida is it it's not open anymore, because I would love to bring this man a, a shirt Yeah. say, there is a restaurant in Muskegon, Michigan, named after you, or you named it, or whatever. Yeah, so he named a sandwich after The Jared. Fatty Lumpkin, yeah, okay. which is like our fatty, basically. Yeah, okay. Similar that's- style menu. We've kind of taken, like, bits and pieces from that place and other places we like and sort of put them into our own, you know, as far as, like, the concept goes. No, it's, uh, the, you're doing a great job. The colors were, yeah. I think, what just we came up with. The building itself had the same look, but we wanted, I said to her, she, I think she was talking about, like, you know, grays and beiges or whatever, and I'm like, yeah. listen, we're never going to get to paint something obnoxious, like, in a house, so, like, yeah. let's let's go loud with it and just see how it goes. Yeah. And that was fun, too, because I like to do trim, and so I got to do all the trim inside. And That's cool. You know, now it's a portfolio item for us because she's yeah. done some more design stuff, and so we can just kind of lump that in of this is something that we've done, and we have our second space now. It's similar but different, so, we, you know, just goes into our whole design component yeah. of everything we do. No, it's, it's fitting. It's uh, part of part of uh, business is the branding side, too. So the name just matches really well. I'm... I'm pretty colorblind, so it's yellow and what? It's like a lime green. That's an argument, okay. but yeah, yeah, I say lime green. Many people tell me let's it's go yellow. lime green, like a burgundy and like a darker teal. Yeah. So no, it fits. Yeah. It fits the whole aesthetic. Like you, like I was driving over there and I was like, I bet you that's Fatty Lumpkins before I even saw it. Just <laughs> yeah. the name and the you know the kind of quirky, cute little building and uh, it does yeah, stand no. out a little. If you can, it's hard to see it, but once you see it, you're like, oh, that bright building. Yeah. And then the you guys got houses. great little outside spaces too. And uh, yeah, I brought my wife over there. She's still talking about it. That's so. been huge for us having that expanded seating and oh, for uh, sure. You know, just getting around some of the little things you got to deal with. And we just had being in the neighborhood um, with zoning. There was a lot of yeah, a lot of like hurdles and rules that you know maybe made sense in a general sense like you know i always say because people like to complain about these kind of rules and but like usually people set these things for good intentions and they probably address some problems but like we totally fell into that category of like we're this one weird thing that's different than everything else and you know remember it was a recession too right so like we're fixing up blighted properties and so you know everyone had that mindset of like why are you messing with them when they're just trying to fix something up and open a business but yeah. they can't make an exception for us when this person and yeah. so now I'm I have way more of an education on that stuff than I would ever want to mm-hmm. <laughs> but they've loosened a lot of it and made it easier <laughs> for new they have this new thing called form based code where they where it's just our people think our buildings are houses everyone says oh this house I could date our second building to 1920 and our restaurant building the 1922 and they were uh, through the city directory and they were always businesses. So yeah, the, I, I feel like essentially a couple of buddies got together and said, let's build, bought a city lot. And we're like, let's throw up these two little buildings on one city lot and you bake your bacon stuff and all my wife's going to do hair. And that's like how it's, 
or wait, no, mine was a shoe store first. It was a beauty salon for a long time, but the building next door was a bakery. A lot of people remember that as like a saw sharpening shop. So we just, you know, it sits right on the sidewalk. So that's a problem. It's, uh, it, the parking was a problem. It was, it's not. The building itself wasn't big enough. The lots themselves weren't big enough. So <laughs> everything we did was just like this little arbitrary thing. Like you can't expand more than 10% or so, you know, on a, we have a 600 square foot building. So te- it's like, that's not even worth the money it would right. cost to dig up the ground. So I, you know, thankfully we've kind of navigated through all that stuff. And so I try to put that out there. If anyone else has questions or is going through that with business, it's like yeah. you get through it, but it's, it's a little bit much sometimes and yeah. and thankfully people are have seen that and are starting to move in a better direction of like okay we do have these 100 year old properties that don't have a parking space and like we still want the the house or the business to be functional and bring us tax revenue and provide people jobs or places to live or whatever right. yeah muskegon county uh you know we do commercial lending and muskegon county has some interesting uh zoning uh yeah. habits <laughs> so we, we, we run into that hurdle quite often. <laughs> we have to navigate that. So call me. Totally. I, like I said, yeah, I way too much. Yeah. <laughs> now we know, now we have a direct resource. So I, I probably actually will sometime. <laughs> um, yeah. Sandwiches. I've already said it a million times. I love them. They're great. Uh, you guys use super fresh ingredients. Who's the mastermind behind these culinary delicious masterpieces? So for the initial, which we've never changed our menu, we kind of came together. Um, Jera was hardcore on inventing our famous chicken salad so i gotta give that love to her um and i don't eat eggs so she was the one that said we got it's a deli you gotta have egg salad (laughs) i was like no we don't she's like yeah we do and she was right um and and then you know like like i'm a horseradish guy i think i came up with more of the the how now brown cow stuff the italians kind of more my thing the fatty of course i said was hers i think the kicking chicken was her and her sister she had a friend that helped us tammy her name is she's uh one of two people i or three people i think idolized on the menu as tamio's tenacious tlc so she was she's a real good friend of ours and she's got a strong marketing mind so her and jira got together had some cocktails and came up with some things and i think she might have put one or two of the sandwiches on there that night um it's funny too because that's a vegetarian sandwich, the one named after her, but she's not a vegetarian anymore. <laughs> Some fattiest trivia. Um, and then it, as we've grown um, and done things like soups and more of the catering with the pasta salads, potato salads, I might throw some ideas once in a while, but she's making all that stuff. And then we have a longtime manager named Stephanie who's been with us for about a decade. That's really starting to come into her own as well, doing soups and sides and stuff. So it's really those two doing all the, and you know, we do heavy hors d'oeuvre type stuff too. So they they kind of come off that. Um, but yeah, Jara's just, she really knocks it out of the park on the culinary side of things. And it's funny because we always eat out a lot. And when we were younger, I'd be like, dude, the budget, like too much money. And she'd say, listen, we're going to have a restaurant someday and we need to be trying all these places. And it was kind of, she's really good at like positive spitting things like that, you know, but like, <laughs> again, try, like the egg salad, like, she's right. yeah, you know, I mean, it's, it's of course a little bit of a spin, but yeah. she, I mean, I would argue we have a pretty good experience in dining out and, and, you know, have taken that approach with a focus on taking every little si- single thing we can 
to make our place better, you know? Um, and I, I hope we've achieved that. I think we've done what we've set out to do, which is, which is very fulfilling. You know, hopefully someday our kids will want to jump into it, but if they don't, yeah. then who knows? <laughs> so I'm gonna make a note of that. Tell my wife we're doing market research for the future. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Every but time I, I want to try a new restaurant, market research. That's right. That's right. You never know though. It's, it, it is. It's funny how little things like that, you know, I've learned and I'm, like I said, I'm kind of a cynic, so. Taking I would say, myself I would say you're a stoic. <laughs> I wouldn't say cynic. I would say stoic. Taking Stoicism is my... more like realistic and like, <laughs> that's, that's, I wouldn't say you're cynical. I've met cynical people and you're, you're far from that. So, but I, it's important to be positive and, and you know, like when you talk about business and dreams, like you got to manifest that stuff and believe and like see that. I know like one thing that I probably take or for granted myself is I have a pretty good vision of like what I want to do and what the end result looks is going to look like. And like with this in particular, I mentioned before, people are like, this is never going to work. What do you do? I mean, it got pretty bad. It took our mm-hmm. funding fell through. Of course it was the recession. So we had like half of, we bought it on a credit card actually. Right. And uh, so we, we had, we bought the building and then I went to go get the other money to fix it up, which I mean, it needed tens of thousands of dollars worth of work. And it was right at that horrible time. And they were like, Mr. Gilbert, our lending policies have changed. And your debt to income is too high. And I, I mean, I had done everything I felt up into that point to make sure that didn't happen. Yeah. Because I knew what was going on around me. So I was calling them all the time, communicating like, yeah. there was a, it was a zero interest plan. So there was a reason to not take the money out before I needed it. And we didn't right. close, the previous owner had a tax lien. So it took a long time to close. Yeah. So sure. It, it was it was just a lot of you know your your family your peers your friends going this is stupid man you're gonna and I'm like thinking you know in my in the back of my mind I thought the worst case scenario we're gonna sell this and break even if the business fails and I was like I thought in all honesty if this restaurant fails I'm gonna keep this building and either do something else with it or make it like my man cave basically yeah. with my friends because it's small enough you know you don't it's have cool. to really eat it and it would have worked. Yeah. I I still need a shop, so like yeah. that was what it was gonna be basically, yeah. and and so that was kind of our contingency plan. But you know, and then we kept the bartending gigs. We both worked a full time job in addition to that for about a year, and then slowly dropped a day at a time until we were down to zero. So Jerry was a culinary mastermind uh, disguised as a bartender. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Towards the end, she was pints and quarts, and towards the end, she kind of faded from bartending to management so okay. she'd have to be there so late and i worked at the lake house in the homestead just bartending so nice i was a bar back for a while and just a bouncer at the door and my very first job though was bob Ev- but yeah bouncer was never the funnest uh interesting stories um, i bet well, you gotta tell me sometime yeah we'll have to grab a drink and do that <laughs> <laughs> so. um first job was bob evans washing dishes that. Oh, we share that. It's a hard job, right? People don't realize that that job, you don't get a break. No. Like, you're just ripping dishes, and, like, I'm kind of a germaphobe, so. Right. That's. Just having, like, other people's food in, like, my hands, and, like, I had gloves on, but still, right. mentally, the whole time, I'm like, if something splashes on my face right now, I'm going to lose it, because that's so, like, someone just touched this, and now I'm touching it, and, but I had a really great uh, teammate, uh, I had a gentleman that had autism in the. Uh, he was the coolest guy. Uh, we called him, uh, ah, man, why can't I think of his name? Dougie Fresh. Dougie Fresh. And, <laughs> you know, I came in at 3.30 after school, and he had, like, he he would never leave dishes for me. And that's why I said he was the best. And he was just an amazing human. And uh, 
he'd be like, nope, don't touch those. Those are my, that's my work. <laughs> you know, he was, took pride in it and it, it was awesome. And, uh, it's a good I learned a lot job. from him and yeah, it, 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 it teaches you. They always say like, if you want to find out what you want to do, do something you really hate and <laughs> right. then you'll find out what you want to do. <laughs> So shortly after doing that for a little bit, I realized that, um, and then my next job was at Pizza Hut. And I, I worked there for a long time, actually through uh, high school and college, and I, I loved making pizzas and stuff. And I did that too so. in a few places. And no slam on working in the kitchens, but I was sitting back there, and I, I, I a little bit of a jerk. I, I just remember looking into that sink the first time, and all the pizza toppings and the gray, the water was just gray. And yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I got to stick my hands in that. I mean, I'm kind of embarrassed to say it now, but like, yeah. that's how I felt. And I don't feel like I was like a dainty kid necessarily. No, it's a lot so, of weird. But yeah, and I, I remember like after about the second night too, I'm watching all the ladies coming in, you know, that weighted tables. I think we only had female wait staff, but like they're all laughing and telling me about their customers doing this or that, being funny or flirting with them or whatever and yeah. you know meanwhile i'm like walking out like putting dishes back on the line clean di- trying to look out to see the score of the michigan game or whatever and, yeah and i'm like man they're making tips yeah they're watching the game they're yeah. laughing with yep. people that are drinking and having a good time the music is on sometimes there's live music i'm like that's where i need to be so yeah. that was like my almost right away i was like i'm a front of the house guy yeah that's that was kind of my thing too i was like man i'm just back here in the hole like just wet i'm just wet yep. right now and it's stinky now we all go to the dish tank to like get away from people for 10 minutes you know right. like everyone at fatty's at first they'll be like do i have to do dishes and then after they're there a month they're like almost fighting to close down the dish tank because after you get your butt kicked and talk to a bunch no, of you people guys... for it's like all right now i'm just gonna go put on my headphones and rock out and just I think for a minute. Yeah. You got to be careful opening the door. You might run someone over walking into your place. Or there's a line out the door. I got yeah. there right when you guys opened on the first time I went there. And I was glad I did because I sat at the little picnic table and I was just watching. And it was just like car after car after car. I was like, holy smokes. I'm glad I got here when I did because I would have been <laughs> waiting like an hour for my sandwich. Not that your wait time's that long, but there was so no, many people no. pouring in. It's tough too because it's lunch, so everyone drives. So yeah. sometimes, like, it won't be that busy, and people will be like, "What the heck? I I drove by once already, thinking no way." Yeah. And then they're like, "I came in, yeah. and there's no one here." I'm like, "Well, there's like a five top next door." And I'm like, "Well, there's eight cars." <laughs> yeah, I'm like I don't know. I've parked down on, over at the like coffee factory building and walked over because there was just nowhere to go. So, yeah, I would, you know the culture how you run your business, some core values come through as well. Um, you know, you said you've had a manager, Stephanie, was that her name? Yep. Has been there for 10 years. Uh, that's a, that's a instrumental piece to running a successful company. So Huge. what would you say is like key component of being a business owner, ensuring your employees are as happy and as thriving just as much as the business is? So well, I think what are some core values you guys really try to hold. I mean, I don't want to emphasize this too much, but like ultimately people work to make money, right? Right. So we want people to make good money. And, you know, in the restaurant business, I don't find it around here as much. You know, I always feel like I remember people talk about like, what's the best place to where you make the most money or whatever. So I don't know, you know, I'm out of it now. I don't know if that goes around or not, but I, I want to be a place where, where people can tell their friends if they so choose that they make good money for us. And I don't, I don't ever want, you know, that's like, it's, it's a being in the business the same way. Like, I think that's just like a, like a hardcore, like pride thing. Like, I don't want to be a bad place where people don't make money. Right. You know what I mean? Like there's just, it just really reflects on everything. Um, and, and when we get new people, it's almost across the board. They comment 
and compliment on how nice our customers are. Yeah. So it's I I when you talk about culture, I think it's one of the I don't want to say few positives, but one of the main positives that had in that teeny tiny place. Because I can remember thinking about it at first, like how is this all going to work, and what am I going to do, and how are we going to take orders, just like the whole process, right? Yeah. And like, I just thought, you know, usually when I'm good in a job, like a bartending job, it's because I can be more of myself, right? Yeah. And I've worked mostly in higher end places, but like I'm more of a like talkative, whatever person kind of more laid back, I would like to think. So like mm-hmm. in conver- so and I like to talk to people. So I just sort of like, well, this is like ours. So like why not just treat it like home? You know what I mean? 100%. And so like when it comes to pay, obviously that's a thing, you know, because it's just like when you're raising like teenagers, I imagine they don't want to be at home. Like you want people to want to be there, right? Yeah. And so, you know, that's why parents buy swimming pools and stuff. Exactly, <laughs> right? But uh, <laughs> anyways... um. And then, like, I think for Jared and I, too, we try to, like, because we work with everybody side by side, day to day, almost always, we're kind of stepping back a little bit now because we have more stuff going on, but um, that in and of itself helps a lot. And, yeah. And I encourage- You're in the trenches with them. I encourage people, if they can, to do that, not just because it does that in the trenches, which is absolutely huge, but, like, I talk to a lot of people in business and not in business or people like trying to buy into something because they want to invest. And you commonly hear like people being like, I don't want to do anything with it or like, I just want to make money or whatever. Yeah. And that there's a place for that. I'm not saying there, I don't think I could ever do that. Like yeah. it's restaurants are hard and I just feel like you have to have some level of like passion for it. And it doesn't have to be like, I love food or I'm a soccer player and I'm going to be in the soccer industry. Yeah. It can be something else. It doesn't have to be so, like, you know, idealistic or whatever. But you, something about it has to make you kind of want to be there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then I feel like in in turn, that's, you know, when we've had people over the years who are pretty closed off. But then we've watched them over the years really open up. And we we kind of talk about we think it's, you know, partially because we just kind of encourage that dynamic and, it's. I imagine it's really hard to always work with your boss. Yeah. And to also, uh, that's the owner, and to always have them be like mere feet away from you. So you can't even be like, geez, Nick, that bread over here. You know what I yeah, mean? Like, right. very real chance I might walk up and hear that. Right. Yeah. So that always kind of was like, ew. Like, I would, personally, I would not like that. You know, I'm a yeah. cats away, mice will play kind of guy. <laughs> and, uh, and so I, it just gave us more incentive to kind of like, be with everybody and then that in turn gets us to know everyone and then that in turn helps us to be able to provide benefits outside of pay of dollars and cents to people i mean and it also helps the culture but like i it's just been interesting to me like going into this not knowing about things like healthcare and all you know just whatever jo- job benefits people buy provide cell phones that Everybody for us is like very different, but we have parents, we have college kids, we have high school, you know what I mean? Like our, we have a pretty wide variety of like demographics for our employees. So that it kind of makes sense. Right. But like, I think it came up first, like doing like company parties. Cause you got these drinkers over here. You got, these are teenage high school. What are they going to do? Like, is someone going to be passing the young people drink, you know, like all these things like, please believe I did stuff like that when I was a kid. So 
so I think that that's kind of like in a weird way made it what it is is like it's just sort of become our customers are the same way we have old people working people yeah young people we've got to watch little kids who get a sandwich with just meat or meat and cheese only and now they're coming in with their college boyfriend or girlfriend you know yeah. married or what's crazy yeah. it's wild so i think just that overall like local business small home culture kind of yeah. like you're part of us you're not a number. I never want to not know the names of people. You know, that's one reason we don't start having Fatty Lumpkins everywhere. Right. We like to work in there. I don't want to go and be like, who's that host that, or, you know, who's that guy that just took my, that would just be weird to me. And after yeah. the third or fourth store, I know how I am at remembering names. That would start to happen. Yeah. So keeping it small, being it, diversifying too a little bit, you know, because then we can perk, you know, like we have an Airbnb so we can, our employees kind of know like they're they can they're hooked up in that realm if they need to be or whatever yeah we just you know and we try to make our network their network whether it be you know some kind of service banking or legal or insurance you know because especially young people coming up they're they're needing to know this stuff and then they i always too try to be like put my business out there not like in an unprofessional way but like I wish more people when I was younger would would have been an open book as like entrepreneurs because there's just like yeah it seemed like it was like stupid a things that yeah. can game change you. My yeah. accountant just told me the other day, I I made her a hundred thousand dollars because of some little tidbit info I shared with her about a grant, and she was like, if you hadn't have said that, I would have waited and I would have never got the money. And I was like, God, you just made my day. Thank because I'm sitting here blah 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 all the time, yeah. And somebody hears it and you know. And that particular situation, we had gotten, we missed out on a ton of money because of just a paperwork glitch, basically. So I was glad to hear I helped someone else. Yeah. You just uh, foster that home-like feel and uh, make food that tastes homemade, which it is. Um, what a, can you d divulge uh, the secret of the, the meat? You guys sell it by the pound, right? Yeah, no, it's just yeah. boar's head. Boar's head. It's not boar's just boar's head. head. Boar's head is good. Boar's head is the Cadillac of Della. That's that's how yeah. I like to say it. It's a good good analogy. So good. Most people are familiar with it. It was a key to our success initially. You know, only one other place at the time sold it in Muskegon, um, a wonderful place, Gezi's Market. I'm sure you're familiar <laughs> with. But they do it. You know, they make their sandwiches ahead of time, so it's not like what we do. Yeah. So us coming from Florida, where every Publix grocery store has yeah. has boar's head, and then. Um, my mom loved D&W growing up, was like hardcore D&W. So that's the place in Michigan, mostly that carries it. And so we were both just sort of like, wait, there's nowhere that sells that here? And then you start telling people and like 75% of them are aware of the product and really like it. Yeah. So that felt like a big competitive advantage right off the gate. And then we could sell it for cheaper too than like a D&W because we have less overhead. Yeah. You know, so that was that was helpful too. That product speaks for itself. It's a family-owned company. I mean, I've been sitting watching the Super Bowl and seen a Boar's Head ad once like, hey, that extra yeah. little couple cents a pound that they say I'm paying, which to me, I think they're an affordable product. Yeah. It is buying me Super Bowl ads. Great. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Right. <laughs> it's a good way to look at it. Yeah, it's funny you bring up Publix. My mom uh, actually ran the deli. She was a deli manager for Winn-Dixie. Amazing. Down in the... Down in the Florida. Yeah, that was our main store. 
Publix a little too bougie for college kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Winn Dixie was uh, it was good. They had amazing deli food. She's a Portland Lauderdale Beach has a Winn Dixie like it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, they do. It's uh, she was she's an amazing cook too. So it's uh, it's kind of thriving in her environment. So awesome. I don't have a ton else unless you want to talk about some other stuff. If not, I always leave like the end open. If you want to plug Fatty Lumpkins, where you guys are at, what days you're open, if you run any specials, how we can find your menu, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, so we are 971 Washington. It's it's downtown Muskegon, but down not downtown proper, um, but we're like right down there. So just look it up on your phone. It's easy to find right off Seaway Drive. We're open Tuesday through Saturday, 11 a.m. to 3 p.m., we do meat and cheese by the pound, uh, homemade soups and deli salads in addition to the s- sandwiches, and we do regular salads too. Um, we cater. We have a food trailer. We're at a lot of the local events, um, and we do a lot of private parties with the food trailer, graduation parties, that kind of thing. We're doing more of that these days. and uh, That's awesome. Catering, you know, our normal stuff. We also do heavy hors d'oeuvre catering. Big on box lunches, sandwich platters, meat and cheese trays have become a big thing since charcuterie has taken off, yeah. and we've jumped on board with that. That's a big thing this time of year. So, yeah, come check us out. We'd love to, you know, put Muskegon on the map, try to show everybody what it's all about because it's a pretty amazing place, we think. And, uh, yeah, we're an open book. I mean, anything business-wise, food-wise, you want to ask us or whatever, we're we're always an open door. So Yeah, you guys definitely are. Great people. Brett and Jira, uh, Brett, thank you so much. I know you. you're super busy, man. So I do uh, greatly appreciate you taking the time out and sitting with me for this hour. I love it. And uh, telling us your story. I, I love hearing the stories. <laughs> um, I think you hit the nail on the head. Muskegon is a community that likes to stick together, and people really miss out on that feeling, and that's what we're trying to bring back to this area. So thank you for being a part of that. Thank you for being a part of the podcast. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thank you, Brett.